The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, October 14th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks rise following the historic rally on Wall Street. Bank earnings kick off this morning. Speculation grows the U.K. government will abandon its tax cut plan. And Twitter says Elon Musk is being investigated over his attempted acquisition. The January 6th panel has voted to subpoena former President Trump. Plus, a shooting in a Raleigh, North Carolina neighborhood has left five dead. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Yankees and Guardians play game two this afternoon. Another win for the Astros. The Rangers won. The Devils and Islanders lost. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington DC, Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning with S&P futures down 16 points. Dow futures down 102. NASDAQ futures down 77. The DAX in Germany is up six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds, yield 3.91 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 4.42 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down three-quarters of a percent. It's at $88.42 a barrel. Nathan. Karen, we enter this final trading day of the week coming off a truly historic day after falling 2.4%, the S&P 500 reversed course and closed up 2.6%. According to Bloomberg data, going back to 1990, never before has the market experienced such extreme readings in both directions in one day. Dave Donabedian is Chief Investment Officer at CIBC Private Wealth. Yeah, I don't think a day like this signifies a market bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we had a, a really strong market from mid-June to mid-August, and it was just a bear market rally. But, um, yeah, I, I think we're certainly closer to the end than the beginning of this bull market. Dave Donabedian at CIBC believes triggered automated buying helped fuel yesterday's turnaround. 
But the turnaround may be short-lived, Nathan. Bank of America says stock markets in the U.S. economy will have to experience more pain before the Fed pivots away from aggressive policy. Strategists at the bank say, quote, it was a decent counter-rally, but lows won't be reached until next year. They say more economic and market pain will be necessary before the Fed backs down. Well, Karen, the White House was grasping for upside after yesterday's inflation report that saw core CPI rise to a 40-year high. President Biden discussed the reading with reporters in Los Angeles. Americans are squeezed by the cost of living. It's been true for years, and folks don't need to be a report to tell them they're being squeezed. Fighting this battle every day is the key reason why I ran for president of the United States. However, President Biden did note overall inflation was just 2% over the last three months. He said, quote, that's down from 11% over the prior three months. Well, over the weekend, Nathan, the president conceded that a slight recession is possible, but one administration official notes that it's not inevitable. We spoke to U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. I talk to CEOs of of the biggest companies and the smallest companies every day in every industry. Yes, they're anxious. Global markets are unstable. The war in Ukraine obviously makes everything unstable. But they're also telling me customers are buying, consumers are buying, they are still hiring, American companies are innovating. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo made the comments in an interview on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Catch the full conversation online at Bloomberg.com. Well, one of those CEOs does appear to have a more tepid outlook on the economy, Karen. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon discussed inflation and the Fed at a conference in Washington yesterday. I don't know if it could be a soft landing. I don't think so, but it might. Mild recession or a tough recession. My, my point, in the tough recession, yeah, you would expect the market another 20 or 30 percent. I'm not going to give odds across those three things, but you know, for all of us who have to worry about risk, yeah, of course, you should plan for those things. Jamie Dimon says his gut tells him the Federal Reserve will have to raise rates higher than 4.5 percent in order to tame inflation. Well, Nathan Diamond's bank is among several scheduled to kick off earnings season today, and we get a preview from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. By the time the markets open this morning, investors will have heard from J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. Investors will be interested in the results from the last quarter, but they'll likely be even more interested to hear what banking executives expect going forward. Bloomberg says the big banks will announce they are setting aside billions of dollars to protect against expected loan losses as growing numbers of customers get squeezed by inflation and high interest rates. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Jeff. We also get more economic data this morning in the form of retail sales and consumer sentiment. Here with more on that is Bloomberg's Vinny Del Judice. The prior report covering August showed U.S. retail sales rebounded from a July slump. Bloomberg Economics says today's data will most likely indicate spending on consumer goods moved toward pre-pandemic levels in September. That's taking inflation into account. Also today, the University of Michigan issues its U.S. Consumer Sentiment Index for early October, and Bloomberg Economics anticipates another sluggish reading. The Sentiment Index at a record low earlier in the year. Vinny Dow, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. And you're up this morning. Speculation is growing. The U.K. government will abandon its plans for massive tax cuts. And let's go live to London and get the latest from Bloomberg's James Wilcock. Good morning, James. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. The U.K.'s Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng is set to land in London in the next hour after unexpectedly cutting short his trip to Washington. U.K. assets are staging a comeback on the news as traders suspect a U-turn is down the road. The yield on 10-year bonds plunged to below 4% when the market opened. And it all comes as the Bank of England 
wrap up their emergency bond buying program later today. In London, James Wilcock, Bloomberg Daybreak. James, thank you. And in corporate news this morning, lawyers for Twitter say Elon Musk is being investigated by authorities over his attempt to take Twitter private. We get the details from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. In April, the SEC sent a query to Musk over how he initially disclosed his 9% stake in Twitter. He did so a week later than regulations allow, and he used a filing typically reserved for passive investors. Then in June, the SEC wanted information on Musk tweeting, the deal cannot move forward until he was given more information about spam and fraudulent accounts. Now in a court filing in Delaware, Twitter's lawyers say Musk has exchanged substantive correspondence with federal authorities as they look into his conduct, and they say this game of hide the ball must end. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. And Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts when their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SEI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SEIC.com slash tech. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thanks a lot. It is 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 53 degrees in Central Park and dealing with an accident in Queens. Westbound Jackie Robinson Parkway at Metropolitan Avenue. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Happy Friday, Michael. Happy Friday to you, Nathan. The final January 6th committee hearings theme was that Donald Trump began the plan to stay in office as early as July. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. To remain, no matter what the vote showed in November, co-chair Liz Cheney says what's left. We must seek the testimony under oath of January 6th central player. Donald Trump, followed by a unanimous vote to subpoena from the committee. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court has refused to get involved in Trump's request to return seized documents from Mar-a-Lago. It also refused to reinstate a special master, a major victory for the Department of Justice. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Ed Baxter, Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont has ordered flags flown at half-staff in the state after three officers were shot in the line of duty in Bristol. Two of the officers are dead. Governor Lamont said there are too many illegal guns and not enough cops on the streets. I hope when you see uh, your policeman, woman, on the street corner, you go up and say thank you for what you do. I hope you show a little respect for uh, uh, the folks that are there. Governor Lamont, state police said in a release that the 911 call Wednesday night about a dispute between two siblings appears to have been a deliberate act to lure law enforcement to the scene in Bristol. In North Carolina, Raleigh police say a male juvenile is in custody hours after a mass shooting that left five people dead, including an off-duty police officer in the neighborhood. Raleigh Mayor Mary Ann Baldwin praised the responding officers, saying they put their lives at risk to protect the city. You know, you, you pray that something like this will never happen here. It did. And I want to thank all the officers who responded in the way they did. Raleigh Mayor Baldwin, police say there is no word on a motive. North Korea has fired yet another ballistic missile. This launch came as North Korea also flew warplanes near the border with South Korea. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 
5.09 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashow. All right, good morning, Nathan. Yankees and Guardians, two days off between games one and two, but set to go one o'clock at the stadium. So unless there's another rain out, no more days off. The rain was expected, and Aaron Boone was asked beforehand the effect of a postponement. And it would probably affect the pitching rotation if you went five games and you had to play four in a row, sure. Um, the lineup, no, I mean, we play what you do is in baseball is you play every day so shouldn't affect that um you know that's more who we're going up against matchups things like that Boone today starts Nestor cortez shane bieber for cleveland houston's up two nothing in the other alds the astros have their slugger jordan alvarez to thank he hit the game winning three run over in game one he hit the go-ahead two run shot sixth inning of game two a 4-2 astros win over seattle Two game threes today, tonight in the NLDS. Both series tied at one. Week six underway in Chicago. Washington won 12 to seven and a four game losing streak. The only commander's touchdown scored by rookie running back Brian Robinson, who has made a remarkable comeback in August. He was shot twice in the leg in attempted robbery in DC. Jets and Giants look to keep their winning ways going Sunday. The Jets visit Green Bay. Giants home for Baltimore and the Giants punter is back home safely. The native Scott Jamie Gillen was Unable to fly home with the team due to a visa issue, he was staying at an Airbnb in London. Rangers already 2-0. They won 7-3 at Minnesota. Chris Kreider, the big season last year, scored his first two of the year, the first and last Ranger goals. Islanders season opener, 3-1 home loss to Florida. The Devils lost 5-2 at Philadelphia. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. All right, John, thank you. S&P futures are moving lower, down 13 points. Dow futures down 88. NASDAQ futures down 62 points. Ten-year treasuries up. 6.30 seconds yield 3.91% as we await bank earnings this morning. We'll get a preview next with Bloomberg's Shanali Basic. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather. Rain will end this morning. It'll turn clear this afternoon, upper 60s for highs. Sunny near 70 tomorrow, partly sunny upper 60s for Sunday. Right now, cloudy and 53 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are moving lower this morning while equities in Europe are extending a rebound. That saw U.S. stocks roar back from losses sparked by a hot inflation rating. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 12 points. Dow futures down 85. NASDAQ futures down 58. The DAX in Germany up six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds. Yield 3.92 percent. The yield on the two-year 4.43. NYMEX crude oil is down half percent or 44 cents at $88.67 a barrel. COMEX gold down three quarters of a percent or $12.40 at $16.64.60 an ounce. The euro, 0.9744 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1270 and the yen, 147.68. And Bitcoin this morning is up 1.1% at $19,600. It is a busy day for earnings with big Wall Street banks reporting, including J.P. Morgan Chase and City. Group. We also get a report on September retail sales at 8.30 Wall Street time. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The House January 6th committee voted unanimously to subpoena former President Donald Trump for his testimony about the 2021 Capitol attack. 
Earlier in the hearing, the panel presented new video of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other congressional leaders pleading for help. It also outlined Trump's multi-part plan to overturn his 2020 election loss. President Joe Biden again criticized high U.S. gas prices and said he'd announced new actions to combat what he described as a key driver of inflation. In baseball, the Yankees will play the Guardians in Game 2 of the ALDS after last night's rainout. The Astros lead two games to zip over the Mariners in their ALDS after last night's 4-2 win. In the NHL, the Rangers won, the Devils, Islanders, and Capitals all lost. Thursday night football, the Commanders beat the Bears in an action-packed game (laughs) 12-7. Sorry, too soon. Global news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 27. 100 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. If you love defense, man, what a game. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. We're coming up to 520 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and Karen said it. This is a busy day for bank earnings. We're going to hear from four of the big six Wall Street firms starting in just a couple of hours here. Bloomberg Global Finance Correspondent Shanali Basic's been up all night getting ready for these earnings, I'm sure, joining us live this morning. So we got J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, Citigroup all opening their books this morning, Shanali. And we've already heard from J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon doubling down on the idea that a recession is coming. Makes you wonder how much these banks are preparing for this and whether we're going to see it play out in the earnings. It's true because you have two things going on at the same time. One, Wall Street is expecting these banks to start provisioning at a greater rate for loan losses as they expect the economy to get worse. The question is how much are they factoring in now at the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter? Is it going to get worse from here? Are they going to need to add more provisions as time goes on? The other thing about it is Jamie Dimon, and you heard him talk about this a lot, Mm -hmm. have to really uh, boost their regulatory burdens here and uh, hold more capital due to, to due to rules that he feels is arbitrary. We hear that from him a lot. But, you know, the, the issue here is, are the banks going to constrain lending in the face of higher interest rates? It's a double-edged sword here they're really facing. And I mean, that's the story that we've been seeing over the last few quarters here coming out of the pandemic, this idea of provisioning for loan losses. The banks have been doing it for months now. We've seen the stocks get hammered throughout this year. I mean, how much more loan provisioning can they do? Is there a a possibility that we could see some kind of surprise when it comes to that? We sure can. Right now, the street is expecting $1.2 billion worth of provisions over at J.P. Morgan. The other thing I would watch for is if charge-offs start to rise and loan quality, therefore, starts to deteriorate. Deteriorate. People are worried about credit cards, for example. But I say in the face of higher interest rates because the banks want to be lending right now because they are making more money from doing so. However, they are worried about consumers. They are worried about credit quality. And are we going to hear a little bit more of that? When not, another thing Jamie Dimon said yesterday in Washington at the International Institute of Finance was that consumers are fine now, but there could be a bit of a six to nine month lag here in terms of that total inflation impact on their wallet. Yeah, it's been kind of a mixed picture, hasn't it, when it comes to the consumer? You mentioned Jamie Dimon's comments. I know we're not going to hear from Bank of America until Monday, but we've also heard from the CEO there, Brian Moynihan, saying that the consumer, for the most part, is remaining resilient through this. Where do you expect some of that consumer lending story to particularly play out in the results we get today? There's going to be a huge focus on mortgages, and that has been the case. The other question is, consumers are not feeling higher savings rates very meaningfully. So are 
the banks going to start doing that now that rates are higher? I would also say that a lot of the stress is not even even just on the consumer side. It's also on the the side of large investors and large corporations. People are worried about credit spreads and where they go from here. People are also worried about markdowns tied to leveraged loans. There's already been about $2 billion of markdowns globally after the second quarter, but things have gotten worse since then, and there's some large deals the banks have to contend with, Twitter, Citrix, Nielsen, where they might have to mark down hundreds of millions more. Where do you think things are going to play out when it comes to the trading desks? There's been so much volatility in this market. I mean, we saw it just yesterday. I mean, could the trading desks kind of come to the rescue? Well, that's been the case most of last year and into this year and even during the pandemic as the activity really boosted in terms of underwriting and new issue and really uh, fixed income trading and currencies and commodities also held up. But now their clients, the bank's clients, are under a lot more pressure and you don't see that same try to as kind of trading tailwind that they had just over the last several months really it's already started to wane and there's an expectation that it starts to have more fractures in it as you see even parts of the more healthy businesses come under pressure if mortgages in the real economy are under pressure and there's uh, more problems in that market frankly the trading of mortgages is also a question mark Lots to parse through as we get ready for those earnings, starting with J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo due out around 7 a.m. Wall Street time. Then Morgan Stanley follows and Citigroup for the big six, getting earnings season kicking off here on Wall Street. Bloomberg Global Finance Correspondent Shanali Basak, thanks for being here this morning as we await those results. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are moving a bit lower. S&P futures down 10 points. Dow futures down 69. NASDAQ futures are lower by 54 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 630 seconds. The yield 3.91%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather clearing this afternoon. We'll get up to the upper 60s. Sunny near 70 tomorrow. By Sunday, we'll be in the upper 60s once again under a partly sunny sky. Current temperature in Central Park, 53 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We enter the week's final trading session coming off a volatile day. The S&P fell 2.4 percent after yesterday's CPI reading, only to close up. 2.6%. 2.6%. Data going back to 1990 has never seen such extreme readings in both directions in a single day. Lori Calvacino is head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. You have to really look stock by stock, sector by sector, different parts of the market, figure out where you think most of the bad news is baked in and where you want to be for the longer term and start layering in. And it may go down more before it goes back up. Lori Calvacino with RBC says we likely have not seen a bottom yet. She expects volatility to continue as the Fed keeps hiking rates. And yesterday's turnaround may be short-lived, Karen. That's according to Bank of America. The firm's strategists say stock markets and the U.S. economy will have to experience more pain before the Fed pivots away from aggressive tightening. They don't expect the bottom until next year. 
The White House, Nathan, meantime, was grasping for upside after U.S. inflation rose to a 40-year high last month, and President Biden spoke to reporters in Los Angeles. We also need to make more progress bringing down the prices across the board. That's why I just couldn't disagree more with my Republican friends who say the biggest problem in our economy right now is that working folks are making too much money. President Biden also says too many Americans are being squeezed by the current cost of living, though he notes overall inflation was just 2 percent over the past three months. Let's talk corporate earnings now, Karen. J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo all report before the market opens today. Banks are expected to post the biggest profit decline of any sector this quarter as analysts turn sour on the outlook for financials. Outside of results, we'll be watching for how much cash firms are setting aside for potentially bad loans. Turning overseas, Nathan, speculation is growing. The U.K. government will abandon its plans for massive tax cuts. Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng is heading home early from IMF meetings in Washington as the Bank of England ends its emergency bond-buying program today. We spoke with former BOE member Martin Wheely about the move. Andrew Bailey has given some thought to the question of what help might be needed next week and in what circumstances that could probably be done without continuing the current scheme in operation. Former Bank of England member Martin Wheely says reversing the plan for massive tax cuts would restore the U.K. government's credibility. Futures this morning are lower. S&P futures are down 16 points. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 53 degrees in Central Park. Still dealing with that crash westbound Jackie Robinson Parkway, Metropolitan Avenue. Michael Barr is here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. The House Committee investigating last year's attack on the U.S. Capitol voted to subpoena Donald Trump. The committee, in a unanimous vote, agreed to demand documents and testimony from Trump about his role in the January 6th attack. Committee Chairman Benny Thompson. He is the one person at the center of the story of what happened on January 6th. So we want to hear from him. In a post on his Truth Social platform overnight, Trump said, I will be putting out my response to the unselect committee of political hacks and thugs tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Authorities in Connecticut say two Bristol police officers who were shot dead had apparently been drawn into an ambush by an emergency call about possible domestic violence. A third officer was wounded in the gunfire late Wednesday night. Governor Ned Lamont said there are too many illegal guns and not enough cops on the streets. It's just a reminder what the men in blue, men and women in blue, do every day on our behalf to keep us safe and the risks they take. Governor Lamont ordered all U.S. and state flags lowered to half-staff. A shooter opened fire along a walking trail in a Raleigh, North Carolina neighborhood, killing an off-duty police officer and four others. Police say the suspect led police on an hours-long manhunt before he was cornered in a home and arrested. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper said terror has come to Raleigh. This is a senseless, horrific an infuriating act of violence that has been committed. Authorities would only describe the suspected shooter as a white male juvenile. A Florida jury rejected the death penalty for the person responsible for the 2018 Parkland school shooting that left 17 students and staff dead. The jury instead recommended a sentence of life without parole. Many family members of the victims were stunned.
Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashow. All right, Nathan. Day baseball in the Bronx. One o'clock start today. Yankees, Guardians, game two. Nestor Cortez, Shane Bieber. Last night's rain out means no more off days in the series. Astros and Mariners, game two in Houston. Seattle, who blew a 4-1 lead in game one, had a lead. Sixth inning. one Alvarez punishes one deep to left field. Kiss it goodbye. And the Landry's Crawford boxes. Astros lead it. Three to two. Jordan does it again. KBME. Alvarez had the walk-off three-run shot to win the opener. Astros won 4-2. Lead the series 2-0. Game three tomorrow will be the first postseason game in Seattle in 21 years. This afternoon is the first one in Philadelphia in 11 years. Phillies and Braves are tied at one. So are the Dodgers and Padres. They play tonight in San Diego. The day began for the Washington Commanders with an explosive ESPN report that the team's owner, Dan Snyder, has not been forced out by fellow owners because he has dirt on several of them and on Commissioner Roger Goodell and that he can, quote, blow up the NFL if they try to force him out. Snyder's already been fined and suspended for his actions as team owners. The Commanders then played the Thursday night game in Chicago. They held on to win 12-7. to Bears had a first and goal at the Washington 5 in the final minute but couldn't score. Both teams are 2-4. and Rangers are 2-0. 7-3 route in Minnesota. Three goals in the first period. Three more in the third. Islanders opener was a 3-1 home loss to Florida. The Devils gave up four straight goals. They lost 5-2 at Philadelphia. Knicks and Nets have their preseason finales tonight. Knicks host Washington. The Nets visit Minnesota. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Scott Carr. Construction started on Hatch Life Sciences, Longfellow Real Estate Partners' new life sciences facility on 23rd Street in Queens. New York Business Journal reports the developers anticipating a $225 million investment into the property. 24 technology and biotech companies still in their building and investing stages have been approved to participate in New Jersey's net operating loss program. They're approved to receive a total of a combined $75 million to fund working capital or R&D. The program enables participants to sell their net operating losses and unused R&D tax credits to unrelated profitable companies for cash. Brokers Frederick Eklund and John Gomes expect to sell out their newest condo development in Manhattan's Greenwich Village before a single unit is formally put on the market. The pair anticipate that even with home sales slowing in New York, buyers will quickly snap up all 28 apartments at 64 University Place. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr. Thank you, Scott. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about Mattel unveiling a Tina Turner Barbie doll as part of its music series. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Mortgage rates surged to the highest in 20 years at 6.92%. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that Twin Cities area inflation is rising at a slower pace than the national rate. I'm Scott Carr on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting on the first new development at Detroit City Airport in 30 years. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street.
The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. In Beijing next week, Xi Jinping will almost certainly claim a third term as head of the ruling Communist Party, cementing his status as the most powerful Chinese leader since Mao Zedong. The precedent-shattering move is fraught with risks, from economic instability at home to adventurism abroad. To guard against them, the U.S. must remain disciplined and focused on building up its own strength. That means bolstering its defenses against economic disruptions, for example, by continuing to reduce dependence on Chinese supply chains. The U.S. also should embrace the advantages of its more open system rather than trying to emulate China's command economy. By clinging to power, she is leading China into uncharted territory. That's all the more reason for the U.S. to maintain a steady course. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg. Editorial board. For more Bloomberg opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Futures are adding to their declines. Now we have S&P futures down 14 points. Dow futures down 97. NASDAQ futures down 71 points. We'll talk about the wild swings in this market next with Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross Asset Strategist at Morgan Stanley. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather clearing this afternoon. We'll get up to the upper 60s today. Sunshine high near 70 to start the weekend tomorrow. It'll be partly sunny Sunday with highs in the upper 60s once again. Right now, 53 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by SEI, built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation. SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to SCIC.com slash managers. And futures this morning are lower. S&P futures down about 19 points. Dow futures down 127. And NASDAQ futures down 93. The 10-year Treasury up 730 seconds, yield 3.91%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.43%. And Bitcoin is at 19000 That's up 1.1%. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The House January 6th Committee wrapped up yesterday's public hearing with a call to subpoena former President Trump. Trump responded saying the Unselect Committee is a giant scam presided over by a group of radical left losers and two failed Republicans. Meanwhile, former President Trump has suffered another setback in the Mar-a-Lago documents investigation. The Supreme Court has refused to get involved in a dispute over whether a third party should review those classified documents seized by the FBI. In baseball, the Yankees will play the Guardians in Game 2 of the ALDS after last night's rainout. The Astros lead two games to zip over the Mariners in their ALDS after last night's 4-2 win. Thursday night football, the Commanders beat the Bears 12-7. In the NHL, the Rangers won. The Devils, Islanders, and Capitals all lost. Global News. 
News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We're very pleased to be joined this morning by Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross-Asset Strategist at Morgan Stanley, as we try to assess these wild swings in the market. Uh, Andrew, good morning. We know from uh, data going back as far as Bloomberg's been around that there's never been an intraday move like what we saw yesterday in the S&P 500. What was behind that? Good morning. Well, I think what we are dealing with is just another extraordinary data point in an extraordinary year. You know, this year is the first year that you've seen both equities and bonds down more than 10 percent, you know, going back over the last uh, almost 100 years. So we we need uh, to get used to, we have gotten used to unprecedented moves. But I think another, you know, thing that we need to keep in mind is that in bear markets, and I, I think we are still in a bear market, you too, you do tend to get these quite violent reversals. And so, you know, if we look back to prior reversals, of close to this. We saw a number in, in 2002. We saw some in 2008. Uh, so while it's welcome that we saw some relief, I think it, it doesn't necessarily change the broader backdrop. Well, when you say we have to get used to these kinds of wild moves, dig into that a little bit more. What do you mean by that? How much longer do you think we have to get used to this kind of volatility? Well, I, ironically, you know, the, the data point that I think people were pointing to yesterday uh, that was associated with, with the rally in the market, this upside surprise uh, to inflation, I think is actually still a driver of that volatility. I think as long as core inflation is, is surprised into the upside, as long as core inflation is still uncomfortably high for the Fed, uh, the Fed and, and other central banks by extension can't pivot and can't provide the type of relief that I think markets are, are hoping. And so, you know, when we think about the market backdrop, I think it's still a sequencing issue. First, the market needs to get comfortable that rate volatility is coming down. Then markets need to get comfortable with the level of economic volatility. And I think we're still going through that first part. So I think until we start to see some more relief on the, on the inflation front, which, again, we, we didn't get this month, I think we still face uh, you know, heightened uncertainty in the backdrop. Yeah, we saw uh, traders pretty much price in a 75 basis point move next mm -hmm. month. What's your thinking on where the Fed goes uh, in subsequent meetings? Are we looking at even more jumbo-sized rate hikes on the back of that inflation print? Yeah, so so we we do think that this makes uh, you know a 75 basis point rate hike uh, uh, quite likely, and and I think the challenge here is that you know this is the second straight uh, CPI uh, report that's been well above consensus expectations, uh, and so I think as long as we're seeing that pattern, uh, the Fed will be under more pressure, or the market will certainly think it's more likely that the Fed errs on the side of caution. So our, our interest rate strategists at Morgan Stanley have been of the view that the curve will invert more, that we'll see the one-year rate underperform the 10-year rate. And that's a function of, of the market, you know, potentially just assigning more risk premium to a higher terminal rate for Fed funds as we get these upside surprises to CPI. And what impact is that going to have on the stock market if we do see an even deeper reversion in the yield curve? Inversion, should say. So, so I th <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's still a it's still a valuation uh, challenge. You know, I, I think you have a market where the earnings yield for the S and P is is around uh, you know six percent. 
uh, and the yield on investment grade corporate bonds is around 6%. You know, in that environment, equities uh, are not obviously a cheap asset, even though they have derated and, and cheapened a lot uh, year to date. And so, you know, I think the, the higher the, the front end rate goes, that obviously puts upward pressure on longer end yields at a time when, when my colleague Michael Wilson in the U.S. and my colleague Graham Secker in, in Europe, our, our equity strategists at Morgan Stanley still think earnings estimates come down. So I, I think this is an environment where the equities valuations have improved, but actually it's often in the fixed income markets, the investment grade credit markets, where we think that valuation is currently better. Just 30 seconds left here, Andrew, but are there certain sectors of the market that are looking oversold to you? Well, I think at the moment the challenge is the defensives uh, are, you know, usually work in this environment, but they're well-owned. So healthcare is a sector that we like, although it's performed well in Europe. We think energy looks attractive, and we also think banks will outperform cyclicals in Europe going into this earnings season. And we'll see how banks in the U.S. do in um, just a couple hours here as uh, bank earnings season gets underway. We've got to leave it there for now. Andrew, thanks so much for the time. Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross-Asset Strategist at Morgan Stanley with us this morning. Karen. Nathan, thank you. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. Now to a legal story we're watching this morning. Judge James Ho, a conservative judge on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, is boycotting Yale Law students, saying he will no longer hire law clerks from Yale because of what he called the school's cancel culture. The Trump appointee cited instances where students protested conservative speakers on campus. Judge Elizabeth Branch of the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals, another Trump appointee, says she will join the boycott, although other judges have criticized the policy. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to judiciary expert Professor Carl Tobias of the University of Richmond Law School. Can you explain the reasons why Judge Ho is essentially blacklisting Yale students? Well, he says himself that he's concerned about the lack of civility, I think, at Yale, especially where there are outside speakers who come who might be pretty conservative politically. And some incidents have happened at Yale that troubled him. And so he has said he will not consider Yale students going forward, which is unfortunate, regrettable, as his colleague Jerry Smith said, who is equally conservative, but says he enjoys hiring the Yale clerks and the recent ones have been excellent. Do most conservative judges and conservative Supreme Court justices hire clerks who are conservative? Yes, to some extent, but not exclusively. And judges whom everyone respects, like Justice Scalia, often wanted to have what one clerk called counterclerks who took very different views. Professor Seinfeld, I think, at Michigan, was saying he was such a clerk for Justice Scalia, and they hardly ever agreed on anything <laughs> politically, but he enjoyed the back and forth, and I think Justice Scalia did too. It may be counterproductive to not have clerks, as many judges like to do, who will take the opposite perspective from the judge and sometimes win over the judge on the argument. To put it in perspective, some of the Supreme Court's most conservative conservatives went to Yale. Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, Senator Josh Hawley, very conservative, J.D. Vance, even Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers, <laughs> went to Yale. So there are conservatives coming out of Yale, and by doing this, the judge is punishing them. 
Well, I think that's true to some extent. And Judge Smith, his colleague on the Fifth Circuit, said, I'm happy to hire them. Please send more. And I think a number of judges feel very similarly. So it, it is regrettable and unfortunate for the school and for its students and the judges who may not take excellent students because of that. Do you think a student would ever turn down Yale Law School if they were admitted because certain conservative judges would not take them as clerks? I doubt it. They probably have many, many opportunities. And it's really the judge's loss because they receive such a fine education and they're extremely well qualified. And so they can often write their own tickets anyway. And as Professor Carl Tobias of the University of Richmond Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso, catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. Futures this morning are moving lower. S&P futures down about nine points. Dow futures down 30. NASDAQ futures down down 42. The DAX in Germany is up seven tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up nine thirty seconds. Yield three point nine zero percent, and the yield on the two-year four point four two percent. And NYMEX crude oil is down seven tenths of a percent. And top stories straight ahead. This is Bloomberg. Hi everyone. I'm Paul Anka, and I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.